I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Let's head to the phone lines right now and be joined by our next guest. He is our Odyssey NFL insider, Peter King. Insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice. Men have skin, too. He's with NBC Sports. And for my money, he is the best sports writer covering the National Football League, helping you get ready for Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. Peter, we appreciate your time. Thanks for hopping on today. Hey, Carrington. Happy to do it. How are you? Absolutely. Doing fantastic. Let's start with this. What is your biggest or most favorite storyline heading into this game? Uh, The fact that the last pick in the draft is four quarters uh, from winning the Super Bowl. And uh, last pick in the draft in 22. And in order to do so, he'd have to beat the best quarterback in today's game and already one of the best quarterbacks ever. So uh, yeah, all I know is that <clears throat> if Brock Purdy wins, if the San Francisco 49ers win this game, I don't know that there have been many more interesting stories in recent sports history than that one. Peter, it's inter- it's interesting that for a player who has had the success that he has had so early on in his career, I don't know if he has gotten the credit that maybe a lot of other young quarterbacks have. And I understand the position that he's in, the team, the talent that's around him. Do you think Brock Purdy is underrated coming into this game? Well, he's underrated by some but he's not underrated by the people who count. Um, You know, like I I wrote to work with Kyle Shanahan last Tuesday, and that's one of the topics we discussed. And he said to me in that, in that game, in that drive, I'm just going to read you this couple of sentences from my column this week. This is Kyle Shanahan on, on Purdy and all that. I hear what people say, people down on him. It is comical. Playing quarterback is how you play quarterback. What if Joe Montana was in there? Joe's not going to run around like Lamar and Patrick, but he's Joe Montana. I'm not trying to compare him and Brock, but, you know, this is a big sport, huge media. People have to realize in our profession how the world works. Guys on TV have to talk. We only play once a week, and the rest of the week, everybody talks. And he made the point that, one of the great things about Brock Purdy is he just doesn't care. He has a solidness to him as a person that what somebody talking on ESPN says about him, he has no interest in. He just doesn't care. And that's part of what makes him good, I think, because clearly, you know, if you had rabbit ears, it's really going to affect you, and he doesn't. Right now, we're joined by Peter King of NBC Sports, taking a closer look at Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the Niners. 
Really quick, I guess, last question about San Francisco, and I want to transition to Kansas City. What do you see as the key to slowing down their offense? Do you think it's taking away Christian McCaffrey? Do you think it's taking away George Kittle in the middle of the field? Like, if you were the Chiefs defense, what are you attacking? What are you trying to force San Francisco to do? You know, this is the kind of game where Bill Belichick, if he were coaching in it, you know, against San Francisco, he would say, (coughs) we're going to figure out who this team has to have play well in order to win, and we're going to take them away. You know, he did it with uh, – I mean, he's done it throughout his career and or tried to do it throughout his career. But in this particular case, I think even if you slow down and you stop Christian McCaffrey and hold him to whatever, I don't know, 40 yards, I <laughs> – there's so many other weapons for them to for them to to use for Purdy to use. If Purdy's accurate, and uh, you know those guys stay healthy, I mean Brandon Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel are such physical football players. As is Travis Kelsey, uh, obviously on the other side. But the two receivers on San Francisco right now clearly are better physical weapons than most teams you're ever going to face in the NFL. And so that's the thing. And obviously George Kittle's very physical too, but that's the thing that would probably be frustrating if I were Steve Spagnuolo looking at this team. Peter, for me looking at this game, I look at it kind of through both defenses' lenses, and I think that two players are just so vital to what they want to do offensively. Like if you were San Francisco, the versatility of Christian McCaffrey, catching the ball out of the backfield, having 20-plus rush attempts, I think it's really hard to slow him down. And the same thing for Kansas City with Travis Kelsey. He is just so vital to everything that they do in the passing game. And you got Andy Reid, and you have given Andy Reid two weeks to figure out this San Francisco defense and figure it out. The same way that I'm not sure if Kansas Kansas City can slow down Christian McCaffrey. I'm not sure if San Francisco can slow down Travis Kelsey either. Yeah, well, I'm really not sure it's as much about slowing down these guys. But three times in the last year, I have witnessed Andy Reid make a call. You know, let's go back to the Super Bowl last year. You know, he calls Corn Dog twice. He calls a play he's not called in over 1,100 snaps. He called this the first game of the season at Arizona, you know, where the receiver goes into jet motion and sprints in toward the formation and then cuts on a dime and just runs right back out. Mahomes snaps it, and you gamble that the corner who is running with him is not going to be able to catch up. And both times, to Kadarius Tony first, to Sky Moore second, they totally confounded the Eagles, and that won them the Super Bowl. Now let's go to the New England game this year where uh, Matt Nagy, who is a great researcher of old football plays and old film, finds a game from the 40s from the Ivy League with a weird little single-wing play where uh, these guys – have never, they're going to play New England. They're not playing very well. And nobody in New England has ever seen anything like this where Patrick Mahomes lines up in a three-point stance and Jarek McKinnon's going to take the direct snap. It's just weird. 
and that's a touchdown. And then they did the same thing against Buffalo. What team knows Andy Reid better than Buffalo, which he's played six times in the last four years, and what coach knows him better than Sean McDermott? And so you look at it, and you basically say, what has happened here is that Andy Reid has come up with stuff, and, and they score a touchdown on that on the play that they pull out of their, their hat with Travis Kelsey. They haven't run it in seven years in a game. And they throw a little screen, what was almost like a screen in the flat to Kelsey, and he scores a touchdown. So Andy Reid just figures stuff out. And I think that is as dangerous as the players that he has. It's the brains that Andy Reid uses. Right now, we're joined by Peter King of NBC Sports. He is our Odyssey insider. All of our insider calls are brought to you by Old Spice Gentleman's Blend Body. I understand that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey take up a lot of air, just their superstardom. I really feel like in the AFC Championship game that some of the attention started to shift towards this defense and how good they were against the Ravens, and the Ravens only scoring 10 points in the game. I think in this that... Each Super Bowl has a way of sort of freezing time that if this defense plays really well and they do a great job against Christian McCaffrey and they take away all of the options that we uh, know San Francisco to have, if if this team in three straight weeks beats Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and this San Francisco offense, I think this defense is going to get a lot of credit historically and people are going to speak very, very highly of this defense 20, 30 years from now whenever they go back and look at this year's Super Bowl. Well, Well, they should. Um, I mean, if they hold San Francisco to the teams, uh, you know, not past the teams, it, it, you know, maybe the 11 starting players on that defense should share the uh, the MVP trophy of the Super Bowl because that will be just huge. And they they basically stuck it to Lamar Jackson. And, you know, hey, we can talk about what happened in Buffalo all we want, but that defense made a lot of plays, even though Josh Allen – <laughs> made a couple of pretty big mistakes at the end, but you're right. Right now we're talking to Peter King here for a couple of more minutes. Peter, what is your keys to the game here for on both sides? What's your key to a Kansas City win? What's your key to a San Francisco win? Isaiah Pacheco for Kansas City because I think that it's possible, it's possible with the physicality of that defense. Look, uh, of the of the uh, uh, you know the San Francisco defense, it is possible that they could stonewall Isaiah Pacheco for much of this game. But Isaiah Pacheco has really made a name for himself for about the last half season for running with a certain amount of violence. So I think the ability of him to either continue that. Um, if he continues it, I think it bodes well for a Kansas City win. And if he doesn't, you know, and everything is on Mahomes, it's going to be harder for him. And I think on the other side of the ball, look, you simply do not know how uh, Brock Purdy is going to handle this. He's handled almost everything. Now, he's had some, some weak moments uh, against – Green Bay for three quarters and against Detroit for two quarters. And now he comes into the Super Bowl, and it's easy to say, man, this guy's handled every challenge, all that stuff. We know that the moment's not going to be too good, too big for Mahomes. He's, he's had 
20 of these moments already, or 10, let's say at least, of mega games. And never do you watch Patrick Mahomes play and say, well, he choked on that one, or, man, he short-armed that throw. He must be feeling the heat. So, But we don't know that about Brock Purdy. And I think he's going to handle it fine because that's his personality. But until he does it, we don't know. Peter, I 100% agree with you, and I'll get you out of here with this. I mean, that's why I'm picking Kansas City. Like right now, if I am just laying down just the cold hard facts, I know what Kansas City's quarterback is going to do in a game of this magnitude. I don't know what San Francisco's quarterback is going to do defensively. Kansas City's defense is playing better than San Francisco's defense. I was disappointed with their postseason run. The Lions scored 30 points on them, and Jordan Love had a lot of success against this San Francisco defense a couple of weeks ago. And in this kind of moment, I have seen Kyle Shanahan do something late in the fourth quarter to cost his team a game or not stick with the game plan where I don't think Andy Reid does that. For that reason, I'm picking Kansas City to win this game 23-17. to 17. Where are you at, and, and who do you have winning Super Bowl 58? I, I cannot pick against Mahomes. It's just, I just don't think it makes any sense. Um, but I think the game is going to be high scoring. Um, you know, 34-30, something like that. I think there's going to be a lot of points. And one of the reasons I think that is that both of these teams are extremely smart and know how to do stuff that the other defense is not going to be prepared for. So I like Kansas City, and I like it to be high-scoring. And that is Peter King joining us on the show today. He is our Odyssey NFL insider, does fantastic work with NBC Sports. I think he is the best sports writer covering the NFL, and all of his insider calls have been brought to you by Old Spice. Peter, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy Super Bowl week. Thanks a million, Carrington. You have a great one, too. Absolutely. That's Peter King of NBC Sports joining us on the show today. I want to react to what he said there about this game being high scoring. The over-under is at around 48 and a half the last time I checked, Rob. He thinks this game is going to be played into the 60s. I'll get your reactions to that coming up on the other side. Plus, we'll have our guy Mitchell Schwartz is going to join us in studio coming up at the bottom of the hour, and we will get his stories about playing in this same Super Bowl four years ago against this same team. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Car, truck, or motorcycle wreck? Remember, Mike's got this on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Download the Odyssey app and listen to The Drive with Carrington wherever you are. So coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we're going to be joined by Mitchell Schwartz. He's going to join us in studio today. We have been getting stories from members of the 2019-2020 Kansas City Chiefs who won the Super Bowl four years ago against the San Francisco 49ers. We just had Peter King on the show of NBC Sports, and he thinks that the Super Bowl is going to be high scoring. I I cannot pick against Mahomes. It's just, I just don't think it makes any sense. Um, but... I think the game is going to be high scoring. Um, you know, 34-30, something like that. I think there's going to be a lot of points. And one of the reasons I think that is that both of these teams are extremely smart and know how to do stuff that the other defense is not going to be prepared for. So I like Kansas City, and I like it to be high scoring. I mean, reasonable minds can certainly disagree about the Super Bowl. I would be very, very surprised if San Francisco scored 30 points on this team. I mean, they haven't given up 30 points to any team this year in the National Football League. Only one team scored 27 points against this team. Unless you foresee Kansas City turning the ball over, which is something that is very difficult to predict. If Patrick Mahomes goes out there and throws two interceptions and they have a fumble return for a touchdown, sure, maybe that's the pathway to them getting to 30 or more points, them meaning San Francisco. But just based on what their defense has been this season, I just don't see San Francisco scoring a whole lot of points against Kansas City in this game. I think they'll be able to move the football against Kansas City. We've kind of seen that, that you can move the ball between the 20s against Kansas City, but the red zone defense has been really good, and this defense has normally answered the call in really big scenarios. Like, as high as I'm on in Christian McCaffrey in this game, I think this could be a game in which Debo Samuel doesn't have nearly the impact that people think that he can have. That the Chiefs have done such a great job this season against so many different wide receivers that maybe this is a game where Debo is more viable in the run game than he is in the pass game. I think the Chiefs might have the best secondary in the National Football League, and I know they have the best one and two corner combination in the league. I think they're going to do a really good job when it comes to pass coverage in this game down the field. So against Debo, against Brandon Ayuk, I feel really confident about their ability to get after Brock Purdy. And I feel pretty good that they're going to be able in a, they're going to be in a position where they can force a turnover in this game. We have seen Brock Purdy throw some turnover worthy balls so far in the postseason. He did that in their first postseason game against green Bay. He did that in the game against the Detroit lions. I feel really good that Brock Purdy is going to give you one or two chances to make a play that could potentially flip this game. 
I think there are all the reasons in the world to trust Kansas City's pass defense and how they performed. And going up against top quarterbacks and top wide receivers and top pass catchers, I think they have held up from start to finish. Now, you've been able to run against Kansas City, but very few teams have really committed to running the football and really stuck with it over the course of the game. So I would be surprised if this game was a 34-31 game, really on both sides. I don't trust Kansas City offensively enough to score over 30 points, and I don't trust San Francisco, not against this defense, to score into the 30s. If this game, if we are talking about on Monday that San Francisco scored 31 points, I think San Francisco won the game. And I think that they were the first defense to crack the code of Kansas City's offense or defense. And I think they won the game 31-21, somewhere in that range. And that Kansas City's offense just was unable to keep up with the pace. It's been a while since we've seen this offense be able to compete in a shootout with a team that could really score. Usually their defense is held and held and they've asked the offense to make a play. It hasn't really been since last year's Super Bowl that we've seen the Chiefs get into a shootout with another team where it was a 38-35 game. I just don't really see that being the game script, Rob. What do you think of Peter King thinking the game's going to be high scoring? I agree with what you said about the Chiefs' defense not going to get shredded. We've we've seen too much sample size. They're not going to give up 30. They're not going to give up 28. They're not going to be a team that just gets boat raced in an offensive shootout. But in the same vein, I'm going to get my hater jacket back on a little bit here. feels good to have it back on. Do the Chiefs offense have the juice to be in a shootout of their own accord? Like, you had the numbers about the Chiefs defense holding teams down. When was the last time the Chiefs offense got to 30? Was it the Raider game around Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was the Raiders. The Raiders stink. Like, let's remember that. The Raiders are no good. They're going to pick in the top 15 in the NFL draft because they're bad. There's a reason this game in Vegas doesn't feature the Raiders, it's because they're a bad team. Before that, they got to 30 against what? the Chargers or someone else bad. I mean, the Chiefs offense, I don't think has the juice to be in a shootout. And I think the Chiefs defense is going to hold down the Niners and keep them away from a shootout of itself. So Peter King has covered football longer than I've been alive, but it just seems unlikely to me that these two offenses and two defenses are going to result in some 38 to 35 mega scoring matchup. Or I would say that if this is a game that is played in a shootout the way that Peter King thinks that it could be, that means Kansas City was really good in the red zone. Like I could see that being a scenario. Kansas City moves the ball, they get in the red zone, and then there's a penalty that takes a touchdown off the board, or they settle for field goals with Harrison Bucker. If this game is going to be played on the 30s, either you are anticipating the Chiefs defense playing their worst game of the season, or you think for 60 minutes the Chiefs offense puts it together in a way that we haven't seen in two months. Now, I thought their offense was actually pretty good in the game against Buffalo. I think San Francisco was better than Buffalo, but I thought offensively they were probably as close to their capacity that I think this team could be. And then I think they showed you in the AFC championship game, they showed you flashes. They showed you their first two drives. That was the old Kansas City Chiefs. They went right down the field on that first drive, touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. The second one was more of a combination of how this team has to win. They ran the ball. They had it for 16 plays, went down the field. They had a nine-minute drive. And then after that, it was a lot of the same problems that we've seen the Chiefs offense have, but just defensively, they were able to force San Francisco into those or Baltimore into those mistakes. 
Can they force Brock Purdy into those mistakes? I would say history, especially what we've seen in the postseason, you're going to have a couple of opportunities to force Brock Purdy into a mistake. That's true. I'd also say the Baltimore game was a little different because I think it was a little column A, a little column B. I think the Ravens adjusted to the Chiefs. That's no doubt about that. But I also think the Chiefs and the powers that be on their sideline knew, I don't think Baltimore can get to 18, 19, 20 points today. So by halftime, they were at a safe scoring number. And I think you saw that. There were a couple of times I think Mahomes ate it on a sack. I think there was some conservative play calling. I think the Chiefs knew, hey, it's a race to 20 or a race to 17, and we've won the race. The clock is our biggest ally. I don't know that same energy is going to be felt in the Super Bowl. If it's a race to 20, I don't know the Chiefs can just stall out at 17, 18, 19 and feel like we still have the D to hold them down. So the Raven, if the Ravens game were the game script, that's a problem for the Chiefs because that offense just evaporated in the second half. I do agree with Peter King that I think, like if you're looking at this to like a completely neutral lens, I think the most interesting storyline is Brock Purdy and the uncertainty of what version of Brock Purdy is going to play in this game. Is he a guy that's going to throw for two touchdowns and no interceptions in this game? That's maybe a game that San Francisco wins. Or is he going to be the same version that played against the Green Bay Packers? That is a game that I think Kansas City wins pretty comfortably. I would say they win if he plays how he did against the Lions. Like I think he is going to have to play better than he has in his last four postseason games in order for them to win. And this is probably the toughest defense that he's gone up against so far in his young career. Coming up on the other side, we'll be joined in studio by Mitchell Schwartz. All-pro right tackle. He was on the Super Bowl team that beat the San Francisco 49ers. We'll get his stories coming up. Keep it right here. It's The Drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Brought to you by Deep Esquale Moore. Car wreck? Get the money you deserve. Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Kansas City, it's Brett Veach. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Our big game coverage is brought to you by Community America Credit Union. Community America Credit Union is proud to be the exclusive banking partner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Get your Chiefs checking account, including the exclusive Chiefs debit card at ChiefsChecking.com. There are not many people that I personally know that have a Super Bowl ring. One of them is sitting right in front of me. Mitchell Schwartz joining us in studio today to tell us stories about playing in a Super Bowl. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Where's your Super Bowl ring? You didn't bring it today? Today's the day to bring it. I only bring it for special occasions. Coming on the drive for Super Bowl week, that's not a special occasion? Yeah, it's getting pretty normal in these parts, <laughs> you know. 
What is it like to get so many media requests now? Like every time I look up, you're on Jim Rome's show, you're on The Ringer. You're a, you're a regular media member now. Yeah, I don't get paid like it, uh, which is saying something because most media members don't get paid much at all. So that tells you what I'm getting. Um, it's cool. I mean, it's a little bit funny that it's always, you know, we have to get to a certain point in the postseason for people to then kind of want my vantage point. But it's cool. It's a nice little reminder that I was part of something special and have some you know good insight to share. So I'm happy to have you on here because we've been getting people's various stories about playing on the Chiefs, Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, all of that. I've been asking people this question. I can't remember your answer. When did you realize that Pat was special? Because the game for me is against San Francisco, his first home start. And the throw that he makes in the back of the end zone to Chris Conley is just one of the most incredible throws that I've seen him make. Just the balance, the athleticism, the zip on the ball, the ball placement. It was an amazing throw. That's when I realized, hey, Pat's different. Like, Pat is a better version of Aaron Rodgers. When was that moment for you that you felt that way about Patrick? So I didn't see that play until film the next day, or I guess I saw it on probably Twitter after the game. But, you know, you're just blocking. I think on that one I was it was the new peelback rule, so you can't hit anybody with forcible contact to going back towards your own end zone unless you just use your hands. So you kind of do like the drive-by. You see it on special teams where guys kind of run with like their hands up and kind of throw your back at the guy. So I was trying to do that to give them a little extra time. So I didn't really see that throw. Um, I feel like there's a lot of different moments. I mean, the Denver game that year, the – I think it was either Sunday or Monday night, the left-handed throw, and just the comeback and being able to, you know, probably the first true adversity we had faced in terms of being down and needing to come back in a, you know, hostile environment. But, I mean, you, you look at 10 touchdowns in the first two games, and, you know, he comes home and then has an even better game against San Francisco. I think we're up, or we scored 35 in the first half. And I don't know that there was any one aha moment. I think he just everything kept being so good that eventually you just kind of get overwhelmed by the evidence that like, man, this dude is as good as the stats say he is. And he just keeps getting better. Um, so yeah, I didn't, that's you know the disadvantage of playing is you don't get to like see the plays happen as they happen the way other people are seeing it. You don't get the, Oh my God, did he just do that moment? You have to kind of catch up with that on film the next day or whenever, you know, you're kind of watching the game on your own. So yeah, I don't know that there was like a pinpoint, I knew that this guy was special because of this one specific thing, but it was just kind of the totality of how good he was, as quick as he was, and the fact that it didn't really get to him at all. He didn't change at all, and he just kept being that good, and he's been that good ever since. How have you seen him grow? I mean, you were there the year that he wasn't the starter. You were there for his first MVP season. You've been there around this team for basically the majority of his career. How have you seen him grow and develop from the kid that was drafted to Texas Tech to now being the best football player in the world? The biggest difference is the mental mastery of what he's able to do at the line of scrimmage, pre-snap, post-snap, his knowledge of everything around him, where guys are supposed to be, what the defense is trying to do. And that's something that he's still going to continue to get better at. He's only, what, 28. He's only played six seasons. He still has so much more experience to – uh, learn from in the NFL and so that's kind of the cool thing with his career is the physical is going to keep getting a little bit better I mean obviously he's got a good workout guy and, and Bobby and they are able to keep him healthy and they're able to do cool things and flexibility and all that but he's 28 most guys physical prime is like 28 to 32 33 so if you kind of think about it in terms of he's just hitting his quote-unquote normal physical peak of what most guys would go through combined with six years of experience, and by the time he's in his early 30s, eight, nine, ten years of experience, he's going to keep getting better. And 
I kind of made that argument early in his career that the stats might never look as good as it did those first couple years because they were so ridiculous. But he's going to become a better quarterback. And I think Travis Kelsey talked about this recently, that Pat's as good as he's ever been because of the mental mastery, because of all the things he can do pre-snap to get everyone in the right spot, to know where to go with the ball. You know, you see the older quarterbacks, the Mannings, Brady's, Breeze. The ball's out so quick because they know where to go with it. They know who's going to become open. They know where the seams are. And obviously, as Travis retires and Pat has to go into a post-Travis world, like he's probably going to rely more on that quick game and knowing where guys are instead of just kind of seeing things happen as they develop the way really only Travis can. So that mental mastery is where he's made the most strides, and it's where he honestly will continue to make the most strides, which is pretty scary for the rest of the league. I didn't really think about it in this way until Peter King said it last week that if you go off of Roethlisberger, if you go off Breeze, if you go off Rodgers, we are only one-third of the way through the Patrick Mahomes journey. Like six years, he then does another six, he's 34, and then you're on the back nine of his career. For him to have accomplished this much in the first six years of his career where they've been to four Super Bowls, he's won two MVPs, they have a chance to win their third Super Bowl, where do you kind of stand on the greatest of all time argument that has really started to heat up here over the last 10 days or so? Where do you sit on that? I mean, people are going to say I'm biased, but I think it lends itself towards saying he is the best to have ever done it. Now, he doesn't have the longevity of anyone else because he's only been eligible to play for seven years and only started six of them. And he's not going to have as many rings, even if we win this one, as Brady and Montana and Bradshaw and, and those greats. But in terms of what he's done for the first six years of a career, it's the best that's ever been done. Like, he's his six-year stretch is as good as really anyone else's six-year stretch over at any point in their career, and it was the first six years of his. So I think it's fair to extrapolate his level of success over the next two-thirds of his career. I don't think it's fair to say he's going to be in the Super Bowl 66% of the time. That's ridiculous. I can't believe we're saying that. I don't think it's fair to expect him to be in the AFC Championship game every single year. It's ridiculous that he's done that every year that he started. But you can – Expect for him to be the best player in the league for at least the next nine or ten years. You can expect the team to be really good and be able to maybe turn it up a notch in the playoffs and have more success than what the regular season would make you think. And, again, it's hard to say that, like, yeah, he's going to win five more Super Bowls over the next 12 years because that's what the first six years of his career looks like. But these first six years – he's the best player that's ever done it and he's doing it in his first six years. So I just keep kind of coming back to that because it's not the prime of his career again, when he's 28 to 34 and that's the best convergence of physical attributes and mental attributes. He's was so young those first few years and, and to do what he did. So yeah, as of right now, I think most people, if you're just saying like, who's the guy from history that at quarterback at his best, you can do the most with and you can be the most successful with, I feel like Pat's the answer. Um, now, it's arguable, and, you know, you can go in any direction from there, but I just think, you know, it's unprecedented what he's done, and I think it's worthy of giving him that accolade. Right now we're joined in studio by Mitchell Schwartz, all-pro right tackle, taking a closer look at Super Bowl 58. You are one of the most even-keeled people that I know, but I would even guess even you. Got super excited to go to the Super Bowl. You know, you grow up watching football, and now you get a chance to play in the Super Bowl. What is it like? How hard is it to contain those emotions as you get closer and closer to Super Bowl Sunday and you actually take the field? It was fun. I enjoyed 
you know, media night was last night. I, I had a good time with that. I mean, it kind of went by quicker than I expected. You kind of go through all these different things. I mean, all of us like to get free stuff. And so the Super Bowl, they give you all these little cool things. And it's always fun to, you know, get a nice little goodie bag from Nike or from whoever else the sponsors are. That's a lot of fun. You know, we practice in Miami's facility and seeing their setup and their locker room and stuff was cool too. The negative was we had to go up against the 49ers defensive line that was, I would say, better then than it is now. And having to hear about them for two weeks, having to watch that film for two weeks in a row. Um, so all the kind of cool things are offset by a little bit of the anxiety of, man, I, I really got to go up against these guys and perform. Um, you know, we were right across the street from a mall and kind of walked over to the mall and walked around a little bit. That was kind of blowing off steam. You know, I'm not someone that likes to go out and party or anything like that. So I wasn't super interested in the rest of what Miami offered. But just kind of getting your affairs in order in terms of who's showing up, what days, and who you're going to hang out with, how do you say no to people, you know, all that is a little bit tricky. And, you know, you want to see certain people, you don't want to see others, but you're obligated to see others and trying to just, you know, navigate those waters. So it was a fun week. Obviously, the victory made it all worth it. I, still kind of think that the playoffs are relatively worthless unless you actually win it all because you just play more football and then you're disappointed and the further along you get the more football you have to play against better players and it's more stressful and it's more pounding on your body and it's less money if you're a second contract guy than what you're getting so there's a lot of downsides to the playoffs unless you win it and uh, winning it all definitely made it worth it you mentioned san francisco's defense I've been sort of disappointed in how they've played in their first two postseason games. I don't think they were that great against the Green Bay Packers, and I just saw the Lions score 30 points against them. Like, as much as the conversation is about Brock Purdy, which is understandable given his pedigree, where he was drafted, and somewhat of his inconsistent play at times in the postseason, I don't think not nearly enough attention has been put to the fact of, of all the units in this game. So Kansas City's offense, Kansas City's defense, San Francisco, vice versa. Their defense is the worst unit in this game, in my opinion, especially when you factor in, I know Kansas City's offense can be inconsistent. They still got Patrick Mahomes. They still got Travis Kelsey. I have far more confidence in Kansas City's offense going into this game than I do San Francisco's defense. I agree, and at this point in time, I don't think it's particularly close. I think San Fran has missed a lot of tackles, which we don't expect of them, especially with the linebackers that they have. I think the defensive line that makes a lot of money and that's as heralded as it is isn't performing up to their level. And now, so the flip side of that is... Detroit probably has the best O-line or one of the top two or three O-lines in, in the NFL. Green Bay is maybe top three to five offensive line. Their line is always really good and had a pretty good season. And the way our line has been playing the last few games, if we keep it up and we perform to a similar level that those two offensive lines did, I think that's the key to neutralizing this defense, which has always been, even back when we played them you know, five years ago, that was the key for us up front. We have to block and we have to give Pat enough time, and that was – his little throwaway line in the Wasp clip is, do we have time to run Wasp? That means, can the guys protect up front and long enough for me to get this playoff? Because, you know, we hadn't been doing the best job of that. And so if our O-line keeps playing the way we have been, then their defense is going to keep looking the way they have been, and we're going to put up 42 points. And that's kind of the interesting, I think, schematic matchup as well, because, you know, for people that kind of look at all the information on this game and they've heard people talk about it like the thing with the 49ers defense that everyone's talking about is that they're relatively stagnant compared to some other defenses especially compared to Baltimore's that we just played and they can't just sit back and let us dictate the game you know they're going to have to mix things up a little bit so seeing if they can do things 
that maybe aren't in, you know, their last four to eight games of when you're typically watching film and, you know, Pat's going to watch the whole season, obviously, but doing stuff that is less recent is breaking tendencies is throwing, you know, Pat and the offensive line off as much as they can. That's going to be, I think the key matchup because if they don't do that and if we can just kind of go in there and, and play the way we have been the past few weeks, especially up front, um, it could get pretty ugly, and it could get ugly quick. I mean, I'm picking Kansas City for a couple of different reasons. Head coaching advantage seems obvious to me. Quarterback disadvantage, this is as big of a quarterback disadvantage that I think you can have in a Super Bowl of this magnitude. And I like Brock Purdy, but you're telling me Brock Purdy in his first Super Bowl was going up against Patrick Mahomes in his fourth. I think you have to be on that side. And I can live with being surprised the same way we were whenever the Eagles won with Nick Foles that they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. But going into it, I don't know how you could pick Nick Foles to beat the New England Patriots in a postseason game and their defense. I mean, I I, I think the same way we were talking about the units and like take both sides. I think Kansas City's defense is the best unit in this game. And I'm not confident they can stop everything that San Francisco can do. Like Christian McCaffrey is probably going to have a good day just based on how they use him and based on his usage. But I feel confident that, that they can take away a deep ball from Brandon Ayuk or they can kind of limit Debo Samuel and he doesn't have the impact on the game or kind of slow down George Kittle. I feel more confident in Kansas City's defense to slow down what San Francisco can do than I trust San Francisco to slow down Patrick Mahomes. I got this being a relatively low-scoring game. I got it 23-17. Interesting. I would say to, you know, is Purdy going to turn into Nick Foles or whatever? Foles was on a heater those last few games. It's not like he was kind of playing okay and the team wasn't doing that great and they kind of lucked into the Super I'm not going to say San Fran lucked in the Super Bowl, but, you know, felt like you weren't performing, especially that rainy game a few weeks ago that Purdy had. So if Purdy has a sub superhuman game and goes off, it's going to be, oh, wow, like we didn't expect that because it would be different than what he has been playing. And that's kind of the way I think we're viewing the matchup is based on really the playoffs and the playoffs alone. This looks pretty one-sided. Like Kansas City looks like the much better team if you just take the playoffs. And San Fran looks like the much better team or if you just take the regular season, which I think is why they're still favored by a little bit because you're kind of going off of, like, the totality of what the year looks like. So, yeah, if, if Purdy has that kind of game, it will be different than the way he's been playing recently. And if you stop the season after 10 or 12 weeks when he was the MVP favorite and he had a game like that, then you would say, okay, well, that's kind of the way he's been playing. It's just more of what we've seen, but that's not what he's done lately. So I tend to think this is going to be a higher-scoring game just because – Again, talking about their defense being kind of the worst of the four, the way our offense is playing, the way our guys seem to have been elevating the last few weeks, I could see a similar situation to like last week where we get out to a couple scores early. You know, we've come out pretty hot in, in all these playoff games. And I don't know that San Fran's defense is going to be able to kind of have that switch to flip to turn the clamps on the way Baltimore did. And um, so, yeah, I kind of see a game maybe more in the – low 30s to mid 20s I don't know if that's a 31 23 31 24 ish game um but it does seem like there'll be a bit of a flurry a couple you know touchdowns traded early and then maybe things slow down a bit and then as the fourth quarter picks up and you know it's time to score and go win the game then maybe a a couple touchdowns are traded again I got a couple of questions to get you out of here with number one can you bring a vegetable tray to the big game party because Rob is talking about bringing cauliflower and carrots and broccoli and celery to the function and I think that's a red flag is that a red flag (laughs) so you can this is the free speech argument you can say anything you want, but I can judge you based on what you say. So you can go ahead and bring that vegetable platter, but I can judge you based on you bringing the vegetable platter. I think 
in Kansas City, that's more of a no-go. You know, if I was back home in California and Los Angeles, you know, you'd probably expect some healthy dish. I would say if you're bringing a vegetable platter, there has to be ranch to dip in, and it has to be good ranch. It can't be, like, the kind of store-bought, congealed, weird stuff with, like, the mixers. It's got to be that, like, good restaurant-quality, runny ranch that's, like, really zesty. So I'd look at you sideways if you brought it. I think it will get somewhat eaten, but it has to have good ranch. All right. Are you a pulled pork slider or just a regular hamburger slider individual? Ooh, I would go hamburger, cheeseburger, slider. I think if people have heard me talk about barbecue long enough, I think pulled pork is the least good of all the, uh, I, I know you think a little bit differently, but least good of all the kind of barbecue meats. I think it's kind of the most mediocre, and it's the mo- the one that you have to add the most stuff to to make it taste good. Like I think ribs have more flavor on their own. I think really any of the beef products, whether it's brisket, you know, burn ends are kind of brisket, beef ribs, I think those short ribs especially – tend to have so much more flavor. So pulled pork can be good. I just think you kind of have to add a lot to it to make it good. And I think there's something to kind of cheeseburger sliders that is really delicious, and especially if you got uh, the right condiments and a little bit of, you know, pickle and a little bit of crunch. Are you the home team or the visitor for the Super Bowl? Because, like, I can't really see you having a bunch of people over to watch the game. Like, it seems to me like you're the visitor. Like, you bring, like, a homemade dip. You show up with a bottle of wine, and that is your contribution to this. How do you watch the Super Bowl? I'm surprised you think I watch it with people. That's a that's a bold claim from you. <laughs> I'm I am the home team, and my door is closed for the day. <laughs> and I will uh, maybe order pizza because I feel like I still associate football with pizza, and uh, I know a lot of other people will. So I'll have to get that order in early. And uh, yeah, I'll enjoy it at my pace. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to have to answer questions. I kind of get in my chair and I get in my zone and. I watch the game. I can rewind it, which is the reason I love actual TV instead of streaming stuff because the rewind capability is so much better on a normal TV than it is on a streaming service. And so I'll watch the game. I'll do my live tweeting and probably have some pizza and I'll have a good time. I have to get you out of here with this final question. We asked everybody this last week. You're the only person I will ask this question to. What is your favorite food that comes in a bowl? Favorite food in a bowl. Your favorite food that comes in a bowl. Ice cream was very popular last week when we did this. Chili soup was very popular. What's your favorite? So uh, ice cream was my first thought. Uh, Soup is a good one. I will go specifically with matzo ball soup. Uh, For people that aren't Jewish or that haven't had matzo ball soup, you might not like it the first time you have it because it might be an acquired taste kind of thing. My wife loves it now. She never had it until she met me. Um... I love matzo ball soup. I, I love soup in general, and matzo ball soup just kind of hits all the feels for taste and comfort and, uh, you know, kind of remembering what childhood was. So I'm, I'm going to stick with that as my answer. That is our guy Mitchell Schwartz joining us in studio, all-pro right tackle, and here to get you ready for Super Bowl 58. Mitch, always great talking football with you, my man. Same. This is a, a fun week. I hope to see a good game. Absolutely. Coming up on the other side, we'll get you ready for Super Bowl 58 by taking a look back to media day yesterday. And you know what? Travis Kelsey handled himself like a true superstar. We'll talk about it. Keep it right here. It's the drive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.